continuing on in a sermon series called I Want to Believe But. And we're looking at different questions that people have and, and maybe questions that, that you've expressed that you've had. We looked at questions so far like, uh, I'd like to believe, but how do I know God exists? Or, or why can I, give me reasons, to, why should I trust the Bible? And, and we've been looking at these different questions, again, to both address questions that you may have, but also questions that others that you know and love and care about, questions that they may have that you can then help them answer those questions. And I just want to remind you that as we go on through this series, we've got a few weeks left to go. That if there have been any messages that you've heard or ones that you missed, you can always go back on Facebook and you can watch uh, these messages from the past weeks. They're all there and available to you. And today we're taking on another question, of course, and a question that I know is one that, that uh, all of us probably have, have either thought about, we have, we have expressed, uh, or we have said out loud in a very tangible way. Our question this morning is this, I want to believe, but why doesn't God answer my prayers? Been there before? You prayed for something, you've trusted God for something, you've, you've laid it at his feet, and it just never quite worked out the way you'd hoped. Now, just to kind of get us warmed up to this, this topic we're going to let this morning, I'd like for each of you to think back growing up, what was your favorite TV show? Your favorite TV show growing up. Do this. Turn to your neighbor now and tell them what that is. What was that favorite show that you had, sitcom, growing up? Got some laughing going on here. All right, anybody say any of these? Next slide. How about uh, anybody say, I love Lucy, happy days. Remember those? Gilligan's Island. That was pointless. Uh, the Brady Bunch. Some of you are like, I'm not that old. What are you talking about? Now, regardless of which show you picked and, and going down memory lane, remember that, that fun show that you like so much. If you're 40 years old or older, you do remember this. You remember that when your favorite show came on, whatever it was, you had to be there in front of the TV at just the right time, say 7 o'clock, when that program came on with the TV on. Otherwise, you missed it forever, right? It was gone. But that's not the way that it is today. In fact, millennials are here, they're like, that's weird. Like, why would that be the case? Our high school students are like, that's odd. Like, to, right? Because today we are known as the on-demand generation. That you get what you want when you want it, and it's quick and it's convenient. And we want that with our TV shows and entertainment. We want to watch what we want to watch, when we want to watch it. If, I, if you want to binge watch Downton Abbey for the whole season in one day, you can do that. I mean, it's, you're, it's all available to you right there when you want it and how you want it. That's on demand. And we get accustomed to that. And not just in our entertainment, we get accustomed to that in life. There's so many ways in life we just, we run at that pace. And when things aren't convenient or things aren't hard or things don't come as quick as the way we want, we lose hearts or we give up or we look elsewhere, we go somewhere else where it's much easier. But here's the challenge with that. Is that if we're not careful, we can begin to think about and treat God as an on-demand God. That he's supposed to show up and he's supposed to answer our prayers or work in a way on our behalf when we want, how we want it, and as fast as we want it. And we can all fall into this trap here. And so what happens is, is that God becomes our cosmic Coke machine, doesn't he? And so you walk up and you put the quarter in and you push the button and you expect the answer. I mean, the Coke just drops right then. It's nice and convenient. And we treat God that way sometimes the same way. 
that I do something that I consider religious or I'm faithful to attend church or I give or I serve or whatever. God, I'm doing my part and then where's, where's my part? Where's the response or where's the answer? Or we can treat God like the genie in the bottle, can't we? Where we get to him and you know, we make our wishes and that's what he exists for is to somehow grant the wishes that we want. We have to be very careful with that. Because if we have this picture of God, and some of you, this might be resonating with you this morning. If we have this picture of God, God will allow you to get to a place in life and to find yourself in a situation in life where you, where you think God should come through in a certain way and he doesn't work that way. And all of a sudden, he allows there to be a tension in your faith on this point. Because God, he's not your pet monkey. Where You, know, you just have him get up there and tell him when to dance and he does what you want him to do. That's not how it works. Maybe in your life it was something like this, where you were a young child and you prayed for mom and dad not to separate. You prayed that their marriage would somehow come back together and they could work it out. But it didn't work out that way. God, where are you? Or maybe later in life, or as a youngster, it doesn't really matter, there's somebody who is sick and you prayed for them and you prayed that God would, would heal their body and would somehow come through and do a miracle and show up and be big in that moment. But God didn't, again, work that way. Or maybe a, a situation, you know, where you're, you're, you're a young family, young couple, and you're, you want a family, and you, you're praying for a baby. And you're asking and trusting God to deliver uh, uh, that, and, and month after month and year after year, nothing happens. You know, God, where are you? Why aren't you answering my prayer the way I expect? Aren't you supposed to be here for that? Aren't you supposed to, to answer the prayers that I have? Isn't that the way this works? And you look around, you see every teenage girl that doesn't want to get pregnant somehow winding up pregnant. It's not working out for you. See, we can find ourselves in these situations, can't we? And God allows us to feel the tension of that. If you have your bulletin, I want to give you this morning just the big idea. Here's the big thing I want you to take away this morning. It's your first fill in the blank. And here it is. Your first fill in the blank is this. That an on-demand God doesn't exist. An on-demand God doesn't exist. Now, God exists, but not this picture in our mind of God somehow needing and requiring to show up and work on our behalf the way we, he, we think he's supposed to. See, God doesn't exist to serve us, does he? We exist to serve him. He doesn't exist to come on our beckoning call and do what we want. He's not some celestial sugar daddy who's there to make you happy, healthy, and wealthy. He's not there to do any of that. That's not his role. We serve him. He doesn't serve us. And this flies in the face of so many parts of culture, though, where we're trained to think that it's all about us. And this shows up in our prayers. This shows up in our prayer life. We say, God, where are you and why aren't you working the way I'd hoped? You're not answering prayers like I thought you would. This morning, what I want to do is I want to quickly take us through and look at three character traits of God. Because these three character traits of God, working together, will give us a picture of who he is. And here's the thing. We're going to look at who God says that he is. And we're going to put that in contrast to maybe your picture of who God is. And now they may line up perfectly well, or there may be some dissonance there, but you realize, you know what, the way I've been thinking about who God is, is not actually who he says he is. And what that's going to do is help us so that we have a foundation to stand upon when we find ourselves in these situations where we're saying, God, where are you? God, why aren't you showing up? Or God, why aren't you answering my prayers the way I think you should? Here's your next fill in the blank. It's this. It's this, that if God doesn't exist to serve us, 
then who is he? Who is he? This morning, I want to help us try to figure that out. I want to just lay a foundation, three character traits. So if you would, grab your Bibles. We're going to be in some different places uh, this morning. Of course, you can follow on the screen behind. You can also go to uversion.com, which is a great app that you can use. And it has all the books of the Bible there. And you can follow along digitally if that's your preference there. So three character traits. Here's our first one this morning. It's this one. It's this. Number one character trait. God's heart is always loving. I want us all to hang on to this. This is so important. God's heart is always loving. Now, if you're here this morning and you're a parent or a grandparent, there's at least two things I know about you. The first is this, is that you love your children, no matter how old they are, how young they are, you always love your children. Now, they may be driving you crazy. If you had a receipt, you may want to like trade them in for the newer model. I get that. There are those days, right? But you always love your children. And the second thing I know about you is this, is that if you're a good parent, you'll tell your child no. Good parents will do that. They'll, they'll say no to their kids, that that is, is a helpful thing. When you say no to your kids, it helps, develop, uh, um, it helps develop them, it helps protect them. I mean, just this week I had one of my child, child, uh, kids come to me and ask this question, can I have ice cream for dessert? That's an easy one. No, right? Or what if they come and they say, can I have the new iPhone X, Y, Z, 10, whatever? No, not necessarily. In our home, we call it the gift of no. Now, we love to say yes, but no is also important too. Now, if you say no, does that mean you don't love? And of course, the answer is no. See, I want you to catch this real quick. Loving someone doesn't mean always doing what they want. Can I say that one more time? Did you catch that? Loving someone doesn't mean always doing what they want. This is so important. That's, that's not the measure of love. And likewise with God, we have to understand that if God doesn't respond to us or answer our prayers the way we want him or expect him to, that doesn't mean he doesn't love us. That doesn't mean that it invalidates that at all. I want us to look together at Romans chapter 8. It'll be on the screen behind, but you can turn there in your Bibles as well. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 35. And Paul is talking here, and he's describing who God is. He's describing who God is. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. It says this. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? There it is. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Lots of point here. What's, his, what's he saying here? The, the, what he's saying here is that there's nothing that can separate you from God's love. There's nothing that can separate you from God's love. Verse 37. He says, continue. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, speaking of God, who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from, here it is again, the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you catch that? Over and over again, he's talking about the love of God displayed in your life and for you. See, some of us need to hear this this morning. That God, I know it's so simple, but hearing it with fresh ears, that God loves you. 
and sometimes we, we put obstacles because we, we know about our past and, and we know about today and we know about our mistakes and we, we know all this stuff and we think, well, certainly God doesn't love me because of all that stuff. And then he does and he knows it all anyway. God's love for you is a love you can't escape. He's for you. He loves you. He cares about you. And that's always the case. But here's the thing. God's love isn't proved by answering your prayers. Do you hear that? God's love for you is not proved or demonstrated by answering your prayers. God's love is evidenced and proved through the cross. If ever there was a day and you doubted the love of God, ever there was a time when you said, Where, you know, does God love me or, or I don't feel worthy of his love, you look to the cross and you remember that his son, he sent his son who put on a human suit, who lived the life we couldn't live to die the death we wouldn't die on the cross for you to pay the penalty for sins. That's how God's love is evidenced. That's how he demonstrates his love. It's not in how he answers prayers. In fact, God's answer of no or God's answer of not now may in fact be the most loving thing he can do in your life. Now, we don't like it. We don't like it in the moment. We want a different answer. But that's the truth of the matter. See, God's love provides all that you need, not necessarily all that you want. And so God's heart is always loving. This is part of his character. Let's add a second ingredient to this, another part of God's character that works with this. Here's the second one. The second one is this, that God's ways are always higher. And by higher, what I mean is God's ways are always better. They're always better. His ways are better. His plans are better than ours. And he tells us this in his, in his scripture, in fact. He's very clear, which we'll look at here in, in just a moment. Now, when, for some of you now, when you see this idea on the screen, so that God's ways are always higher, some of you, you shake your head like this because you've lived enough life or you've had some experiences in your life where you've seen that God's way turned out to be way better than anything you ever thought or imagined. And God has proved himself faithful as you've looked back. You've said, yeah, I can see where God protected me, where God led me, where God answered prayers in certain ways that was, that was to my benefit. And I can see that. But for others of you, you shake your head like this, as in, I'm not so sure. Because maybe you're in a place of life where you lost a job or a loved one passed away or you're going through something and you feel it. And it's so easy in those moments to say, but God, I don't really understand your plans or frankly, I don't like your plans. I look at what you're doing and I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't see it. Because the truth of the matter is, we both want insight on God's plan and we want input, don't we, on God's plan. We, we want to be able to pull God aside and say, hey, God, come here, come here. Hey, so I noticed you kind of dropped the ball over here. And so I just have a couple ideas for you, a short list. Here you go. If you can take that and kind of, you know, speed it up here a little bit. I got things to do. Can you kind of get things moving in my life? I'd appreciate it. Amen. Right? So we can kind of do that sometimes with God. And yet coming back to realizing, no, but God's ways, God's thoughts are better than mine. Look with me, Isaiah chapter 55. Because God's going to tell us this very specifically, just exactly that. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. What's he saying here? I mean, God's just calling out maybe the obvious, that the ways that God works is not at all like the ways that you and I would do things. And the things that God thinks about is not at all the things that you and I would think about. He's different, and the way he works is different. He's just calling that out. Verse 9, he says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, God's ways are higher. They're better. His thoughts, much the same. That's just part of his character and who he is. I mean, consider this, because I think we have to remember, why is God trustworthy in this? Consider this, that God knows all things. That's remarkable. He knows not only what you do and what you think, he knows what you would have thought or what have done in certain situations. Think of it this way. God never learns. Isn't that amazing? God never learns. There, there, nothing ever occurs to God. Like God never has a moment where he says, oh, I didn't think of that. That's a good point. Or I didn't see that coming. Like that's not who God is. He knows all. He is, the fancy word is, he's omniscient. So not only does God know all things, but God also is not wrapped up in time. So for God, who is outside of time, yesterday, today, tomorrow, it's all the same. He sees it all. He's omnipresent in all of that. And not only that, but God, as we've already been talking about, God is loving. God is for you. God is on the throne working, helping. Here's how he's helping you. Here's what he wants to do in the terms of his work. Helping you to become more like Jesus. That's what he wants to do. And so you consider that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, working lovingly on your behalf to help you become more like Jesus. And my question is, why wouldn't we trust him? Why wouldn't we acknowledge that his ways are higher, better, his thoughts are higher, they're better? And yet so often we think that we know the best way things should go. And we get angry when God doesn't respond the way we want him to. Now, I don't know about you, but I've prayed about a lot of things, still praying about things. And there have been times in my life where I look back at, at times I've prayed for something and it's been a no or it's been a wait or not now. And I've looked back and I have seen God's faithfulness and provision and I have said, Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you for not answering yes to that prayer. Because if you had allowed that, I would be in a very different place. And I can look back my wife and I together, we can look back and we can see God's faithfulness. And that's a, that's a fantastic thing to be able to behold. But I'll be honest with you too, there are other times, there's other things I can talk about and, and remember, things I've prayed about, Laura's prayed about, and we look back and it was a no or a not now and we didn't quite see what God was up to and, and I don't see how it's played out. I don't really understand. And maybe you know what that's like too. As you look back and you say, I get that, but over there I don't understand that. Can I just encourage you? If you're at that place this morning and you're just, you're wondering where God is or you've been praying about things and you're just not understanding why God's working the way he is, would you come back to his character? And would you hang tightly onto this idea that God's ways, excuse me, his heart is always loving and his ways are always higher? If you'd come back to Romans 8 and Isaiah 55, memorize them, absorb them, put them on your fridge, in the dashboard of your car, I don't know. Do something to where you come back to those two anchors in your life and you hang on to them and you say, God, I don't understand what you're doing, but I have reason to trust you. 
I have reason to trust what you're doing is good and right. I'll hang on to that because you're loving and you're wise much more than me. And I can trust you for that. Two character traits. God's heart is always loving. His ways are always higher. Before we close, I want to offer one more character trait of God that will help. I think is if you're in this place this morning and you're wondering, God, why, why don't you answer my prayers the way I'd hoped or want? And it's this, number three, that God's presence is always enough. And I think it's an important place to get to in, in a maturing process to be able to get to this place and say, God, in light of all that I'm trusting you for, in light of all that I'm going through, all the things I'm waiting on you for, in this place, although it has not been fulfilled and I'm still in this place of waiting, that your presence is always enough, that you're enough. How about David? David in the Bible. You, you know his story, the little shepherd boy of the Old Testament, second king of Israel. David, who, who is the forgotten son of Jesse, who is the shepherd boy, who is somehow in an amazingly remarkable fashion because God looks at heart and on the outside comes and anoints little David to be the next king of Israel, the most unlikely candidate. And yet he grew and grew and becomes the king. And, and David lived a remarkable life. The Bible calls him a man after God's heart. David, though, suffered. He went through a lot of stuff. Now, let's be honest. A lot of it was his own doing. He made a lot of mistakes and he brought it on himself. But there were other things he went through that just came at him. And his life was not easy. The challenges he went through of being hated and hunted and trying to be assassinated, family troubles, wars, it was a lot. And I think it's interesting that David's the person who wrote the words in Psalm 23, a psalm we all, not, well, most of us know and we love. Let's go back to verse 4, because look what he writes here, which is so important. He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, a figure of speech for a hard time in life, even though I'm going through this suffering or this challenge, this point of worry and stress, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. See, somewhere along the line, David learned that an on-demand God doesn't exist. And that God doesn't exist to serve him, he exists to serve God. That's so important. But how about another character? What about Job? I know, you hear the word Job, all of a sudden he just feels bad for the guy. I mean, here's a guy who went through so much. Has an entire book in the Old Testament devoted to this guy who, who had everything going for him in terms of of worldly evaluation, he was the guy. He had the money, he had the family, he had the reputation. I mean, he loved God. He all these he was it. And then God allows it to all be taken away quickly, tragically. And then you see Job, what's kind of left of the guy in the dust, suffering, and and the question surfaces, God, why? Why did you allow that? And the entire book of Job just walks through that very question. And, and Job's friends, if you can call them that, show up. And they start giving these long, I mean really long, speeches. I mean just trying to explain and answer the why question. The question that we all want when we're going through a hard time, right? We want to know why. God, why? And so they're trying to answer this question. They're saying, well, well, maybe you did something wrong or maybe you did this. And Job's like, well, look, I, yeah, I mess up, but I'm just like everybody else. I mean, I didn't, I didn't do anything to deserve this. And the book goes on and on, and this why question is still lingering there. It's just still sitting there. And the readers, you and I, we're going through this journey with Job, and we're, we're wondering, God, what, what are you doing here? 
And what's interesting is around chapter 40, the friends go away, finally, and God shows up. God shows up. And so the idea is then, okay, finally God is going to answer the question we all want to know. Why did you allow this? Why did you allow Job to go through this situation? And what's fascinating about this, you could refer on yourself for yourself. God shows up and begins to talk to Job and never once does he answer or bring up the why question. Never once does he engage with that idea. What does he do? What God does when he shows up is he begins to speak to Job and talk about his character. He begins to, God begins to talk about who he is. You know what's interesting at the end? Because you might say, like, that's it? Like, that's a big letdown. God just showed up and talked about his character. Like, that's not what we want. But what's interesting is how does Job respond? Job responds and says, I am completely satisfied. I'm completely satisfied just by the presence of God showing up in his life in that moment and speaking to him in that place. So here's the thing. I think it's important that we all get to the place where our satisfaction in him has nothing to do with whether or not he answers our prayers. It has to do with our presence and enjoying who he is. That our satisfaction is in the one we pray to, not the one we're expecting answers from. That's a big difference, isn't it? That we would come to that place in our life. So here's the bottom line. And I'm just going to kind of say it bluntly. If you're here this morning and you think that you want God to answer all your prayers, you do not. You don't. Could you imagine a life where God said yes to all the things you want him to say yes to? And God said no to all the things you wanted him to say no to? We'd make a mess of things, wouldn't we? God does not demonstrate his love by how he answers prayer. And as I already said before, a no or a not now could be the greatest act of love in your life you could ever experience. I want to close with one last idea. And the band, you can come on up if you would, please. One last idea. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, what I think is remarkable is that you don't have to go looking, begging for the love of God and the wisdom and, 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 the, and the plans of God that he has for you are readily available for you. And God's presence that you can be fully satisfied in is available to you right now. You don't have to go looking for those things. You don't have to go searching or earning them. They're right there for you. I want to close with one last verse in John chapter 14, verse 16. And Jesus is speaking here. And he says this, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and who will be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. This is the Holy Spirit who is with you. And this morning, I just, I just want to encourage you that wherever you're at in life, whatever you're praying about, whatever's on your prayer journal or sheet or, or something that's just is in your mind, on your heart as you go about your daily life, whatever that may be, that you never, ever give up in prayer. Persevere, don't quit. But as you're praying and as you're trusting God and walking with him, that you'd hang on to the idea and you'd remember that God, he loves you. His heart is loving. His ways are higher. And his presence is enough. It's enough. And be fully satisfied in that. So I want to close with a question. 
is God for you an on-demand God? Is that how you treat him? Is that how you see him? And in your prayer life, is that, even, even if you don't intend it this way, is that kind of how you approach prayer? That he's there as on your demand. He would show up when you want, how you want, and answer the way you want. And if that's where you're at this morning, it's just that's where you're at. And to come to a place for all of us then, to say, you know what, God, not my will be done, but your, your will be done. May you increase and may I decrease. And Father, I thank you that your heart is loving, your ways are higher, and your presence is enough. Can we just thank God together that that's who he is? I want to pray for you as well. If you're going through something this morning, uh, just that we can pray together as you trust God, as you persevere in prayer, prayer and continue to hang tight to who he is and the promises he has for you. Let's, let's pray together. If you'd bow your heads, please, and, and uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that, that we can be reminded of who you are. And I know there's, there's people in this room, a room this size, that, that there are prayers that are being prayed. And maybe the thought or, or the words that are coming to our mind and heart were, God, wh where are you and why aren't you answering prayer like we hoped? And I pray that for each of us that we would hang tight to who you are. That in the midst of that place, whether, whether the prayer gets resolved or not, whether the answer comes that we, we want or expect or not, that we would trust you. And that we would know that everything that you do in our life is loving, it's good, it's to help us to become more like you, that your ways are better and your presence fully satisfies. Father, we ask that you would bring us to a place where we hang tightly to these truths from your word. We thank you and we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's stand together and sing one more song. Um, we're gonna close with King of My Heart and uh, just, just hearing pastor's words there about how we view God and, and who God is. I think about, you know, we're going to live our lives for somebody. We're going to live our lives for something. Um, something is going to be uh, Lord of our life.